0: I, I don't want to be known for that hoodie and for that hustle and for the grind. A lot of people are known for it. I cannot beat them at that, but nobody can beat me on my path because I've taken this path of impact and this legacy that I can live without anything. I don't need anything. I need people. So trying to give that up. and all, always trying to oscillate between, is this a liability or an asset?
1: Welcome to Always Aligning with your host, Ashika. This podcast is dedicated to soulful conversations with women that are living with intentionality and committed to personal development and self-growth. Join me as I dive deep with guests who are entrepreneurs, creatives, moms, professionals, and multifaceted women as we unpack what it means to live in alignment. I speak with women who have faced uncertainty, endured challenges, pivoted careers, embraced change, and continue to persevere while sharing their stories with vulnerability. Always Aligning is designed to inspire, uplift, and support you Through your own journey of finding alignment. Welcome back to Always Aligning. This is episode three. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur, an immigrant founder, a woman of color, and a minimalist. Arjita Sethi is the founder and CEO of Equally, a universal platform to ignite the curiosity of kids. This became one of the semifinalists in the Global Learning X Prize and has reached kids in almost 10 countries. She is currently serving on the advisory board of the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center in San Francisco and is a lecturer at the San Fran State University where she teaches entrepreneurship. Arjita is also the founder of the Founders Vault, an invite-only collective of value-driven, aspiring, and immigrant founders who are supporting one another in building their billion-dollar or billion-people ideas in a sustainable way. Tune into this conversation to learn about what sustainable entrepreneurship in Silicon Valley can look like and how Arjita and her husband collaborate as not just life partners, but also business partners. Arjita, you wear so many caps as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a founder. You are constantly creating. I literally cannot even keep up with all that you do, but your journey started when you were 16. Now, when I was 16, I was throwing myself a sweet 16 party. When you were 16, you started a business. Can you share that journey with us a little bit? (laughs)
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Ashika. I am so excited to have this chat with you today. Uh, 16 and starting a business. Honestly, at that time, I don't think I I thought this was a great, like this was a big thing. Uh, I just did it because I was bored out of my high school. There was (laughs) nothing happening at the high school. I came back home. I told my mom, Hey, um, you know, you have this company, you've, she had just started a school, a vocational school. It's like, can I join you as your business partner? And I still remember that conversation at 16. I've come back and I'm telling my mom, I want to be your business partner. And she was like, wait, are you, are you ready for this? And she was really serious. And she's like, you wouldn't have, be able to go take weekends off, go to your friends, meet them. Like every day you have to show up. So I said yes to that, and it was honestly the best decision and so exciting for me uh, to be going and thinking about marketing strategies, to be thinking about uh, getting more users, to be thinking about how do we scale up to different organizations. So boredom got me to be an entrepreneur. And it it helped me start my first business, I would say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, I guess that's some massive inspiration, especially for so many of us as we still battle through some sort of a pandemic life and many of us are bored at home. How do you find um, that inspiration and the energy to do something positive and build momentum
0: at a time of boredom? Um i think the first thing that we all have to we all have to be okay by like by being just with ourselves I, I think what the world when we got connected when when we got um internet we realized everything can be done in a matter of seconds mm-hmm. everything can be done just right away everything can be shared right away and I think it just comes from the fact that are you okay with not getting all that information, every question answered at that click of a button, at that just a voice, com- a command? So I think that is what is uh, essential. And when you come out of that, that I don't need this device, that's when your brain starts working, at least for me, that's when my mind starts working, oh my God, when I leave this position of consuming and just let go of that consumption, that is when I start creating. So I think use, using this COVID as a crisis, we actually launched, I launched one startup during COVID and another product under my other startup during COVID because of this boredom. We weren't connected. We couldn't go for happy hours. We, we couldn't meet people anymore. And that's when I realized, hey, um, I can do so much more. I can create another impactful product. So that has been my go-to. And honestly, I think you you don't need too many people around. You need the right people around. And they are going to continuously motivate you. Like the, the kind of people that I have around me, Ashika, I just cannot not be motivated. I was just talking to a friend before we started chatting. And she was like, hey, we need to build this. We need to build that. Those are the conversations that I'm surrounded by. So I really treasure that. I think that's been a factor as well. So you're
1: still, um, uh, despite COVID, you're still full on build, 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 go, 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 create, create, create. Um, Did you take that time to kind of step back and reassess what your values are during this time and how you want to continue showing up as an entrepreneur while you reset yourself?
0: Yeah, honestly, I think uh, I had that conversation in 2019 uh, in August. And uh, this was pre COVID. This was the time that I completed, I think, five years in Silicon Valley. And, you know, we raised uh, money for our startup. We got venture backed. And, you know, our startup was doing really well, the EdTech startup. But I was beginning to lose myself. I was beginning to lose myself to a point where uh, I would wake up, do customer sales, you know, run the company, raise money, go to the employees, make sure everybody's okay, and then come back, sleep, and then start another day exactly the same way. And I realized that's not why I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had that mission of I want to live a sustainable life. I, I want to be able to have a life that I really love, I also, at the same time, want to be impactful from my mission where I'm working on accessibility, when I'm working on equality. And that wasn't happening. That really wasn't uh, taking place anymore. It all became suddenly about you know, the products that I was selling, how many users, DAUs, MAUs. And I was like, I'm leaving all of this behind. I need a break. So I booked a ticket to Paris in August 2019 by myself and I was like I want to go to a place where I don't know the language I don't know the people no one knows me and I just want to reassess why I'm doing this and that's what I did and the moment I booked the ticket and I told Anshul this is my intention this is what I'm doing Anshul is my partner he's also my co-founder he's like I'm coming to Paris because we need to talk (laughs) And and that was literally the magical moment where you realize that you are with the right person, Ashoka. because this was not just in my mind, it was in his mind as well. Mm -hmm. So Paris is always epic for us because that was a time when we reset ourselves as founders that no matter what happens, we are not running this race anymore. This this, this glorified uh, position that Silicon Valley has, uh, keep raising, always be selling, You know, where's your hustle? Are you grinding? We gave all that up and we realized this is not the way we want to be founders. Mm -hmm. Sustainability has to be at our core. So I think pre-COVID we had that and I did not know three months down the line or four months down the line, there will be a COVID life. So we both acclimatized really well because it was perfect for us at Mm -hmm. that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lucky that you got to go to Paris, you know, in the nick <laughs> of time. Can
1: I just say that? Paris is one of our favorite cities as well. It's definitely yeah. a special place. There's just something yeah. so magical about Paris. Right. Right. So good for you to doing that. But talking yeah. about your your husband, your partner being your co-founder, what what, how does that happen? I think most couples try and seek boundaries from one another. Like you stay in your lane and I'm going to stay in my lane and then we're going to hang out at night. So in your situation, you guys are working together, creating together yeah, and husband-wifing together.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> what does that even look like? Um, it's not easy. It's It's not at all easy. I mean, uh, yes, when we win, we win together. But when we get rejected, when we lose, when there is a low point, it's a low point for both of us. So essentially, we cannot depend on each other for, for that support of, hey, it's it's a bar- bad time for me because it's a bad time for both of us. And um, it's hard. It's hard um, managing expectations of husband and wife. But I think what is different uh, about our relationship, and that's why I don't suggest this to everyone, And I tell them, please be careful with all these things. But what's different about Anshul and me is we started chatting on Facebook over Messenger about the startup idea that we wanted to build. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. Our basic first conversation was he sent me a message. I'm in San Francisco. I'm working in gaming industry. It's not really fulfilling. I do make a lot of money, but uh, I see you're running this impactful startup in India. Can I support you? And literally that was the first conversation that we had of how we both are passionate about entrepreneurship and education. And that's what brought us together. And even when we are free, even now when we, we go out on drives and everything, we are constantly talking about how we can create the most impact. Again, not being the easiest, we have such hard times when we weren't able to raise money. We had constant arguments about, wait, I am the one who's contributing. No, I'm the one who's contributing. Things like that. And there's no third person who can come in and tell us what's actually happening. But over the period of time, we both have realized that for us, the marriage is way more important than any startup. And that's why I keep going back to that magical time in Paris where we decided that this is for our partnership. Our values are more important. So We have stopped looking at it as as a marriage or startup life. We've started looking at it as a partnership. And whenever we feel that our needs are not met, we're not being appreciated, our values are not being met for literally more than a couple of days in a row, we need to have that discussion again. What's going wrong? We need to talk about this. And over a period of time from those yelling fights, we've come back to having meaningful conversations. I think we both are maturing in that (laughs) marriage as well, but that's like a learning curve. And we were kids when we got married, we were what, 25. Uh, He was 26, I was 25 when we got married. So um, yeah, over a period of time, now whenever one of us feels that emotion of, hey, this is not going the right way, we have that conversation about how can we make it right.
1: Do you guys divide up your roles at work and at home to maintain you know some sort of um harmony and space as to who is doing what and what your responsibilities are
0: Yeah at home there there is no distinction honestly whosoever sees it first has to do it if if there's trash to be taken out if there, there are dishes to be cleaned Addie has to Addie my pug has to be taken care of honestly whosoever gets to it and if we've been very conscious about like uh, how we deal with that. But at work, it is very clear what we're doing. What, what does Anshu bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? And that was important for us because when we are running a startup, it's not just us. There would be other stakeholders. In our marriage, it's only going to be us. So it's okay for us to just lean on each other for things. But as startup founders, as people working professionally with other people they need that distinction of who to go for what Mm -hmm. and that's why we do have that distinction at work however in the marriage i i just couldn't like we tried for for the first couple of years we tried you take out the trash i'll do the dishes you cook on these days and i'll cook on these days it did not work out there were times when I really did not want to cook. There were times when he did not want to cook. So we were like, yeah, we'll just figure it out. Whosoever wants to do it, let's take it one day at a time. If none of us wants to do it, we get a takeout. Wow. It's you not make it worth sound the fight. So simple.
1: <laughs> because At least in this household, dishes. It's always about the dishes, I swear. I don't know what it is about the dishes and the dishwasher, but it's always a thing. So I really admire that. Go
0: with the flow attitude. You are so right. And um, I think, again, it's privileged that we have somebody who comes every week to clean the house, who's taking care of the house. So we used to have those fights on the dishes, on laundry and everything. And this is... This is what we discussed. Hey, is it worth fighting for? Can we pay somebody hundred dollars and be done with it? Is our marriage worth that value? And again, it comes from a position of privilege that yes, we could afford that help and we did not have to worry about it. So I we don't have those fights anymore, and this has been a very new development in the last I would say seven eight months that we've started doing that that. These are the things we are fighting about. As long as it's not about our relationship, if it is something external, let's get it fixed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I mean, if you can create that life for yourself, then why not? You know, I think exactly. I think that's the dream, right? We all want yeah. to free up our time from mundane tasks and try and focus on things that are really important, like yeah. building something that's sustainable and impactful or even investing time in our own well-being and our own exactly. relationships, so it's definitely, yeah. um, it's definitely hashtag lifestyle goals right over there. Yeah. And and <laughs> speaking of, I know that you've you've set a lot of different things into motion that really tickle me. Uh, one of them being that you don't buy clothes anymore. I am just so dumbfounded with that in in the <laughs> the best way ever because I love to online shop, but yeah. I mean that that just sounds like. I can't even. It just sounds like it would solve so many problems. Like, okay, you don't have to online shop. You don't have to look for deals. You don't have to open boxes. You don't have to try things on. You don't have to return them. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah.
0: How did you get to that conclusion? Um, <laughs> the movie, Confessions of a Shopaholic, if it was made hmm? the Bollywood style, it would be my story. Like, <laughs> okay. That's how much I would shop. I used to shop. That's how... Much stuff I used to own and have, and um, honestly, when when I made the move or when I made the plan of moving with Antral to San Francisco from India, I looked at my stuff and I'm like, wait, hey, what am I doing? And that was the first realization when when I moved to San Francisco with just two suitcases, like that, that's it. All my stuff, everything came in those two uh, check-in bags, and that's it. There was nothing else. And then over a period of time, and this has only come in India, I have never done it. And I don't know if it is even possible in India to do they have four different seasons in every city and rentals aren't easy. So again, it comes from the position of privilege that I have this thing available. But over a period of time, Ashika, I started realizing that the clothes that I own, I had to take care of them. The clothes that I own, I have to do laundry, I have to dry, I have to keep uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 making sure that they are okay in the perfect condition. And I was so done. I just wanted an effective way. And people told me, go for a capsule closet. And I was like, what's that? But it's still my headache to wash them and take care of them. So it came from this element of the not so glamorous laziness for me. I was like, can I get rid of all of this? And in 2018, um, I just heard about this company called LeToot that was doing rentals. I saw an ad, and I was like, "Okay, let me try." And I started trying them out. They were not the best of the companies. It was a startup. They were just starting out. And then I got to know about Newbie and Rent the Runway and everything. And I started trying different services. And June 2018, I boxed all my clothes and sold half of them. Donated the rest of them. And now my closet basically has six items That's and insane. yeah. And, and, and I do have like some of my gym wear. So the times when I feel, Oh my God, what if I don't get my clothes on time? I can just wear my gym wear yoga pants. I have two yoga pants and I have like two tops. I can live on that. So you never wear... have to
1: do laundry. I
0: yeah, never have to. It came out of laziness again. Like, I I wish there was like a more awakening side of it. It came out of laziness. (laughs) And and that's the truth.
1: (laughs) I am so jealous. You never have to do laundry. I don't. I don't. Do you find that it helps you um, think less about these things? Or do you actually think more about it? Because like, yeah. for example, I've done a rental subscription and the challenge that I have with it is size because there's so yeah. many different brands and designers that I've never tried. Yeah. I have no idea what size fits me, you know, so sometimes yeah. it comes, it doesn't fit. It's very frustrating. Yeah. So I still find yeah. myself going through that back and forth. But what about right. you?
0: Um, I think um, I, I did not have too much, like too many expectations from the service my 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 um, expectations were so low that even if one dress would fit me I would be like oh my god did I just wow I don't own this like it it was a (laughs) eureka moment but I knew there would be again this time by like how I would get adjusted the good thing about these startups are they are using this AI platform where they are taking your feedback and mm-hmm. updating your wardrobe. So over the months, I've got so good at it and they've got so good at suggesting. Again, since 2018, so it's like 19, 20, 21. Third year for yeah, me. Yeah, it's a long time that I've been using. That's a long time. So the first 3 months it was really bad. I would say that they were still figuring it out, but again, I the first time I wore a rented dress and I was like, "Wow, This is it. I can wear and send it back. And then I have new clothes, new, clean, laundered clothes every other week in my closet. I don't have to take care of any of that. I don't have to make sure they're folded nicely. I don't have to make sure that they are, you know, the colored and the whites are separate. None of that. Yeah,
1: it's definitely really, really impressive. And it, um, it definitely speaks to your awareness as a person. You know, I think it's really brave of you to say that, hey, I solved this problem out of sheer laziness and there's no deeper answer, but you, you have the privilege and you're able to exercise an option that, you know, solves for a problem that's recurring. And if you are, again, able to do better with your time and, you know, that, that, feels better for you. I'm just really impressed at your ability to kind of think out of the box and and go for that. And um, speaking of, I, I know you've also made personal changes in terms of your home. Yeah. Um, was
0: that inspired by COVID as well? Uh, it was inspired, again, I, I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's an addiction. Once you start giving up things, you want to give up more things and you want to see can you live without this? At this point, it has become um, kind of fascinating for me to see how much can I live without? So when I moved ahead and I um, started renting, I started giving up a lot of stuff. Like I started, started giving up on food. How much less food can I eat? I started giving up on, um, you know, owning other things. How, how less can I own? Can I give up this furniture? Am I attached to it? Am I attached to this dining chair? Am I attached to the couch that I own? And when this house came up, yes, we were looking for like a more spacious space in COVID. But when this house came up, the one thing that came up here was, I did not need any furniture. It is a fully furnished house. So I did not need to own. And I literally jumped on this opportunity that I can let go of more things that I own. I wanna take that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we saw the house literally, I would say, on August 31st last year on Zillow. It was posted. It just got posted. We saw the house and it said fully furnished. The next morning we came and we saw it. We finalized the deal. Anshul and I went back, sold off everything we owned, every piece of furniture, every every kitchen item, every bed, sheet, linen, towel, everything we owned sold, donated, discarded, and we moved here literally with our books, with Addy, and with our laptops. That's it.
1: And to give context, you moved from San Francisco
0: outside of San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. We moved to a small town. It's a rural town of Occidental that has about 500 people, and we were in San Francisco downtown.
1: And do you think that you would continue to stay here once life resumes as well? Yeah.
0: We love it. Honestly, Ashika, I don't own anything. And I love it. Like I can pick up my phone and I can pick up Addy and Anshul. these three things and I'm good. I can survive anywhere. I don't need anything. And I love that freedom. It's and maybe that is the reason that I have thought of all these ideas and everything. I'm not thinking about laundry. I'm not thinking about dishes. I'm not, and you know, sometimes it makes me feel, is this what, is this the freedom that men feel?
1: Because yeah. they <laughs> have to make
0: all these decisions. Right. Is yeah. that why they are rich? Is that why they're empowered? Yeah. And I'm just beginning to feel it. And I love it. It is such a sense of empowerment. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Is that the freedom, I wonder, that, you know, saints feel and monks feel? That's why you go to these ashrams and you yeah. come as you are, right? And they they equalize everyone. Everyone has no hair or the same short hair. And you wear a robe and you, you know, eat very simple Sattvic food. Um, so you're not consistently stimulated by your senses and you're not yeah. stimulated by... um vanity and making decisions because there's a routine and you're able to just immerse deeper into your thoughts, into yeah. study. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder if there's there's something to that. I Absolutely. really do. But Absolutely. but I can't help but wonder, Arjita, in uh in Silicon Valley where you started your or second tier of the journey as an entrepreneur, where everyone is driven by the bottom line. Everyone is driven by the valuations and, um, eventually, their stocks and their worth. Right? Where does um, someone like you fit in there that wants to create all of these <laughs> companies and yet doesn't desire to own anything? What is the what is the chase for? Yeah. I understand that one part is to
0: create and make an impact, um, um, but what's in it for Arjita? I think it's more about what kind of message do I want to leave? What what do I want to be known for? And I've always asked this question, even even when I was really young, my grandfather would ask me again and again, what do you wanna do in life? And and you know, generally people say, I wanna be a doctor, I wanna be this. And I always said, I, I wanna be in other people's conversation as someone who impacted them. Like they should be talking something good about me. And I was very inspired by Gandhi, you know, his old movement that even today, people look up to him like, wow, what a guy. And if if I have to see that selfish reason, it is that legacy. I want people to talk about me of how I impacted them. And for that, I have to go and take a path mm-hmm. that no one has taken. I, I Don't want to be known for that hoodie and for that hustle and for the grind. A lot of people are known for it. I cannot beat them at that. But nobody can beat me on my path because I've taken this path of impact and this legacy that I can live without anything. I don't need anything. I need people. So trying to give that up and always trying to oscillate between is this a liability or an asset? And I'm co- continuously evaluating. We have a huge library, Anshul and I. Um, huge as in basically a wall that we moved into. And when we were moving into this house, Ashiko, that, that was our only question. We have a lot of books. Would you have enough space? We had not even seen the house from inside when we decided to move in and we signed the lease and everything. We did not do any of that. We just asked one question. We have a lot of books. Do you have space? And. Uh, The person told us, yes, they have a lot of space. Honestly, I've been now into this thing that, why do I need all these books? I have a Kindle. I have a phone. Let me sell off all these books. That's the only thing I own. And I think that's the continuous journey that I want to be known for. That, yes, she was part of the crowd. She was part of that hustle. She was part of that grind. She left it and she thrived. That's the story I want people to know about me. And uh, that just makes me do all sorts of things that other people haven't done yet.
1: Wow. Well. well, you're leaving me thinking now. So that's something to be said. That's awesome. I mean, if you're able to continue on this path and and be a part of the community, but create your own identity, then more power to you. Um, a couple of years ago, or maybe even now, Silicon Valley entrepreneurship life was so sexy. It's just, I I think even now, right, everyone hears startup and they just think, wow, that's so sexy. You have a startup, you know, completely oblivious to the pains that go on in the back end. And I think um, that curtain has been, you know, peeling back over time as we see big companies fall and crash and people burn out and founders and CEOs get fired. Is entrepreneurship in Silicon Valley still sexy?
0: <laughs> it was never sexy. It was never sexy. We glorified it. And um, I, I got, you know, pulled into it too. For the first five years in Silicon Valley, I tried to be that entrepreneur I try to eat ramen day in, day out, do every pizza networking session. I've done that. I've done all of that. And that's that's literally, uh, I, I was so deep into it, Ashika. I remember my face was on the Times Square billboard, on Nasdaq's billboard of, this is an entrepreneur. They, she's doing so well. Uh, look at her startup, Immigrant Founder, and now she's helping other founders. It's on the Nasdaq billboard at Times Square. And people are giving me a call that, oh, my God, your startup is doing so well. You made it big in Silicon Valley in five years as an immigrant brown woman, this, this, this. My bank balance was minus 200. I did not know how I was buying food the next day. Yeah. And wow. that is the reality of this. Like, my company is doing really well. And Anshul and I, we were literally scraping and getting under debt like month after month, day after day. And as founders, you you are not supposed to be taking the best of the salaries. Our employees are getting their paychecks. Everything's happening. We A user pipeline of 40,000 users, that's what we had built. And we were growing at a massive, crazy pace. And I still did not see the sign of, I need to give up this hustle because I only saw it in August, 2019. And this is the story of December, 2018. Now, when I look back at those signals, I'm like, why did I keep pushing? Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. But it's just that ideology of the Silicon Valley that you have to live this life so that later on, you can be happy. And I realized in 2019, I can be happy if only I decide that I don't have to create all my impact in the next five years but over the period of my lifetime. So all I did was this is my life's work, not the work for my next five years. So I've stopped thinking that I'm in this for creating something overnight. I'm in it for the long time and I'll keep building it.
1: Beautiful. I love that. And I really hope people that are listening to this, that are aspiring entrepreneurs are thinking about that as well, because if, you know, there's there's been no greater time in the history for us to all take a step back and really think about what's important to us and what are our values and how do we want to live a life that supports that, not the other way around, because the other way around always leads us to crashing and burning. So was there ever a moment, Arjita, where you thought, I can't do this anymore. I've heard you talk about your passion for entrepreneurship since you were young, but was there ever that time where you said this is just not going to work
0: out? Yeah, I think I've, I've had that not for my first startup. Again, I, I, for my first startup, Ashka, there was no pressure to do well. Nobody expected me to do well. I was a 16 year old trying to figure out the world. So everybody thought it was a great hobby. It, it was it was fun. And, and, Back at that time, sixteen years ago, there was there was no startup ecosystem in India. Nobody thought of venture capital. Mm-hmm. people thought of businesses. So there was no pressure. But when I moved here, literally i I think after the first three years, I was ready to give up because first of all, as an immigrant the 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 psychological and the mental cost that you pay to live your dreams is just too high i i just knew that i couldn't survive that i had to have a full-time job to pay my bills bootstrap my startup and at the same time run a company and believe me you ashika 1000 rejections this is what i can remember there there are at least more every time i walked into that vc room And they would say, oh, you're a husband and wife team. You're building something for impact in edtech. Edtech doesn't do well. And husband and wife team, what if you separate? Why should we pay? And your visa situation is uncertain. You know, why should we invest Mm -hmm. in you? So we were like the blacklisted deal in the Silicon Valley. And there have been times when Anshul and I decide, should we just pick up a job? Should we just do that? And that is that moment when we decided that, you know, maybe this is not the reason we became entrepreneurs. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg are not the reasons we became entrepreneurs. Going back to our earlier conversation, going back to the whiteboard, we realized we became founders because we really wanted to educate people. We really wanted to educate the kids. We really wanted to fight for accessibility. And that's when we shut down our first company, it was called School of Games. And we took a break, like this is not gonna happen. This is just not the way that it'll happen. And it it was beginning to take a mental toll on Anshu and me. And we are still recovering. I tell people I have PTSD from that startup life that I gave up a year and a half ago. I have PTSD on the fact that, oh my God, I need validation. I need an investor to say, what you're doing is really great. My customer is gonna say what you're doing is really great and it wouldn't matter. But till the time an investor is not gonna tell me you're doing something really great, I would keep trying to please them with my metrics and everything. So 2017 and then 2018 and then 2019, each of those years, I had multiple chances when multiple instances when I thought, I'm gonna give up, this is not for me. And honestly, I think every founder at the beginning goes through this. If only we tell them this is not a race, it's a marathon. Right. Please take your time. And you can do it sustainably. It's not about balancing. It's more about having that holistic vision of what your life is. You can only be an entrepreneur when you have that passion, that drive, but also that psychological security to pursue entrepreneurship.
1: So you shot School
0: of Games you took time. We shut down school friends. Yeah. And, and then went, we started mm-hmm. Equally. And what is Equally yeah. about? Equally is a public benefit corporation. That was the edtech company that we realized that is a company that we wanted to build around. The First of all, the name is Equally. We wanted to give equal access to the best education out there to every child. And we started it as a hope that Uh, We'll build something with the savings we have, but we'll see whether or not it can be venture backed. And we started going from it from the aspect of research, Ashoka. And this was so refreshing from the previous time we had started the startup, uh, because for Equally, we went to Finland. We started going, where is education best in the world? And it was Finland. We went there. We got accepted in one of their best accelerators, which is run in partnership with the government of Finland that teaches entrepreneurs on how to build the best practices around education. The first day of our orientation, we got funded by a venture uh, capitalist in Finland. And then we started realizing that it is less about running that race. Like these were the people who were really passionate about what we were building. So we needed that failure. We had to shut down School of Games. Otherwise, if we would have, God forbid, if we would have got funded on that company, oh my God, I cannot even envision what life I would be living right now, Ashika. I would hate it. It'd be different. I would hate it. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be the life. Probably wouldn't be in the middle
1: of the woods right now, for sure. Exactly.
0: Exactly. It wouldn't be. And we would be running the race of, hey, are our MAUs increasing 10% uh, 10 or 20% month after month? That's not the metric. I know that is important. And uh, we need to do business. And from the revenue perspective, we are doing so well in our company, in our startup. And this is why I'm running so many other things. This wouldn't have been possible if School of Games didn't fail. We needed that failure.
1: That's awesome. That's so awesome that you were able to learn from that failure. And it just sounds like everything started to fit together. The more you took a step back, the more you reassessed, the more you kept aligning with your values, everything started to fit together. You eventually started a coaching program. As well, so I'm I'm guessing that also stems from the same desire to educate and elevate and create impact. Um, but what is it that you specifically help other immigrant founders with?
0: Right. So um, in 2019, when we took this decision that we're going to be more impactful, I started just posting online and you know sharing that hey, this has been my journey. I would love to know if anybody wants to learn more. And I started getting a lot of interest, not just from immigrant founders, they were like the key demographic, but also from uh, minority founders, also from first time founders, because Silicon Valley doesn't really showcase that diversity, doesn't really uh, showcase the stories of the struggles and stories of, you know, victories of people who do not look a certain way. And when Well I-
1: unfortunately, sorry to cut you, unfortunately, it is not diverse, right? It's still not diverse. It is. So that is what we we see as it is, exactly. unfortunately.
0: Exactly. And a lot of a lot of professionals started reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I have this idea and you know you shared about this. I would love to talk to you. And honestly, Ashika, it started as literally, hey, I'm going to advise a few people on their startups. And then I started building out these practices, I started building out these courses, and I started realizing there are some similar things that most of the founders are struggling with. And that's literally the birth of Future Founder School, which now has become this startup where you know anybody who, who has an idea or who's struggling for the next step or who's struggling with scale or who's struggling with basically the mindset of being an entrepreneur and managing. Couple of things managing multiple ideas, managing a full time job while running a startup have become part of and are now getting access to that help. But it started with let me just put this out in the universe and see if anybody needs it. And this was also the time around when I invested in my own coach, my own life coach and business coach. This is the time when I was making $5,000 a month. And while I was making those $5,000 a month, uh, 40% no 60% of it was being was going into this you know coaching service that um i hired the coach for and then she told me hey have you ever shared your experience publicly up and, and up until then i had always always talked about hey this is the money that i've raised but i had never shared about all these instances so i started talking about that and as i did it was it helped me two ways first Healing, you know, for me to understand that I'm not the only one who's going through this. There are so many other people. And it helped me find that tribe. But it also validated the fact that there is this need and opportunity in the market where certain section of founders or aspiring founders are not getting help. And I can help them. And that's how Future Founder School uh, was born. And that's how I've been now creating support groups and support programs for all these founders who need that help.
1: So for those listening, here is your sign from the universe. Just show up. Magical things happen on the internet when you show up authentically and consistently. It's something, Arjita, you have helped me with, and I'm forever grateful for that. But this word, oh, being authentic, being authentic, it's so overused, but it's actually so very simple if you are going through something in your life whether it's a win or a struggle or a challenge and you know you feel comfortable enough sharing it yeah share it because somebody out there is in that same situation and we are better together right when we talk about it
0: and I think there's also this acceptance of not not being perfect I think we glamorize the life of our founder thinking they have everything under control even now I have Thousands of emails I have to respond to, and I haven't. Even now I think, oh my God, I'm drowning in this. How am I going to reach out? I'm missing out on these opportunities. Even now I struggle with FOMO of, I moved so far away from the city when things open up. Oh my God, am I still going to have those opportunities? But at the same time realizing, I am so happy in this moment and everything is perfect in this moment so let me just live right now let me just do what i need to do to be in this energy in this way for now and that's it and and it's going to take care of itself like life's going to take everything's going to take care of itself you don't have to take care of everything you don't have to be perfect you don't have to show up only when you're looking your most glamorous self try to show up in a messy bun and trust me people are going to value that oh yes
1: I can vouch for that. And and I'm here for that. I'm here for just showing up and being present and stepping into your power in the now. Totally here for it. You spend so much of your time filling other people's cups, whether it's through your company, through your partnerships, all of the coaching that you do. How do you fill your own cup? What are maybe three different lifestyle habits or self-care tips that you have to offer that you commit to on a regular basis that give you the energy to serve others yeah
0: um first investing in myself I have a coach a business coach a life coach I have are they separate or the same one the life and business one is one, but then the fitness one is separate. Got and it. then I have a nutrition coach who takes care of my diet and my life, uh, health and everything. That is separate. So I invest a lot in my life. I invest a lot in the lifestyle that I have. Second, uh, no meetings before 11 a.m. rule. No matter what happens, I need my mornings. I need my breakfast time. I need my zone where... I am just myself. I want that free space where I don't have anything on the calendar and I can be with myself and, and play some music sometimes or just dance around if I want to or, or just look out at you know the trees. Non-negotiable, every meeting has to happen after 11. During daylight saving, I move it to 10 because I know the time difference in the world doesn't change. So that's the difference. But before that, non-negotiable, not going to meet, not going to talk. Um, the third thing that I do is meditation and reading. I have, I've been reading like crazy for, I, I, as far as I can remember, like as even as a kid, except the time of 2018 and 2019, when I was fundraising and living that unsustainable life. I have mm-hmm. read one book a week throughout, since I learned how to read, I think. One book a week has been my goal and that has literally taught me how to ground myself. That has literally taught me that, you know, I, I know this. That has literally taught me, given me the confidence of, hey, if they could do it, I can do it too. I don't have m- multiple degrees. I mean, I do, but it's not that I'm, I'm an entrepreneurship guru. But I may have read every book on entrepreneurship. Is that your go-to category, entrepreneurship books? Uh, I read everything, Ashika. Like right now, I recently finished a book called The Untethered Soul. I love it. I finished the book um, The Artist's Way, and I love it. I read everything. My go-to is Harry Potter and it's not too deep. I'm <laughs> sorry, but that's literally, it just brings back so many Don't memories. Don't apologize. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. Yeah. So that's one book that I've never stopped reading, but I read everything. You, you tell me about a book and it'll be on my list and I want to get to it because I think that's, that's a superpower. Anybody can read and know about anything. And I think that's so fascinating. Even if I don't get to travel, I can get that book and learn all about Japan. Maybe even more than the people who travel to Japan, you know. Sure. Just because of that book. So, yeah, that that craving for knowledge has been probably my third hack.
1: Well, Arjita, this conversation has been so fascinating. I didn't know that entrepreneurship could be so sustainable and you've really given me food for thought on how to do things in a different way. I love your spirit and energy and good on you for creating this wonderful lifestyle for yourself and focusing your attention on businesses that are impact based and education based and supporting other founders, especially immigrant founders and women of color founders. There are a lot of people out there that need that support. And I think you are really a true champion for them. I'd love for you to share with our audience if there is a way for them to connect with you and reach out to you after the show. Um, Take it away.
0: Yeah, first of all, thank you so much, Ashika, for holding this space. Um, Honestly, like I I was thinking nobody has asked me these questions. I've talked (laughs) at so many places about about you know how to raise money, how to be a successful founder, what are the qualities you need to be successful, all of those things that uh, I think a lot of founders get asked. This has been a very, very special conversation for me because it, it literally made dear, me rewind. <laughs> <laughs> it, made me, it, it made me rewind my entire childhood and, and connect the dots of why am I doing what I'm doing today? Because it started, long, long time ago. It started 32 years ago. That's why I'm here. This is why I'm here. So thank you for connecting me to that why again. I always appreciate whenever I find that connection and you did that for me today. So thank you. And thank you for holding this authentic space and showing up uh, to have these meaningful conversations. It is so important. But um, for anyone who's listening, who wants to start working on an idea, who wants to think about being an entrepreneur sustainably? I would say go and uh, sign up for my free Substack newsletter. I share all the learnings, insights of my entrepreneurship journey that might be helpful for you as well as you're beginning and taking that journey. Um, twice a month, I share it and go and subscribe. It's absolutely free, no cost. And it's my endeavor to make this journey more accessible to anyone else as well.
1: And it is so rich with information. It's totally worth your time. So definitely check it out. Arjita, thank you so much for those kind words. I don't even know what to say. And for someone who talks a lot, that's, that's again, a hard one for me. But, yeah, I was really just inspired to have this show of meaningful conversations because I think I love listening to podcasts, especially when I walk. And I've learned so many wonderful things from my, my podcast. But they're all... Um, you know, super experts in their field kind of telling me how to live, which is helpful in its own way. And I just wanted to go deeper. I wanted to hear from real people's real experiences and really see, well, how did they get there and how did they make these decisions and how do they continue to find alignment with their lives? Because I think we all seek that, whether it's personal, professional, spiritual, mental, you know, emotional, we're all seeking that. And a lot of these dots are connected, like you said, you know, so I think by holding the space and having these conversations with other people, my intention is for whoever is listening to walk away and and maybe start connecting those dots for themselves, you know?
0: That's a beautiful mission. Thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time, for your gems of wisdom. I can't wait for this episode to be out there and for everyone to hear. And um, I hope, you check out Arjita's Substack and Arjita, I will see you online.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashika. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
1: Always Aligning listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of my show. This is the end of launch week, and if you have listened to one, two, or all three of the episodes, I am so grateful to you for your support. You know what to do. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hitting that subscribe button is so important for a small show like mine, so definitely take a second to do that for me, and if there is someone that could benefit from the show, anyone that you know that is maybe thinking about pivoting careers or trying out entrepreneurship or figuring out how they can align with their own life. Definitely send them our way. Um, next week is our fourth episode and we are in conversation with Michelle D'Souza. Michelle shares her story about dealing with grief at a young age. She lost her father and has a very intimate conversation with us on what grief looks like so stay tuned for that moving forward all episodes will be released on thursday and i will see you next week have a great week guys